Okay, we can go home now. If you believe that's what we believe, then you've not been at Great Oaks for a while. Um, where do you get your advice for parenting from? You know, I mean, this is, uh, we get it from all kinds of places, uh, all kinds of places around the world. You know, I was kind of looking online about uh, some things. There's over almost, I forgot, let me see, exactly. There is over thir- almost 13 million websites when you do a search and you put the word parenting in. 13 million. I'm going like, whoa, that's a little overload, you know, in regard to messages. And it may be not there where we get our, our, our ideas about parenting. We may get it from, you know, back in the 60s, it was Dr. Benjamin Spock and uh, that kind of bizarre book that came out. And for a whole generation of parents, they followed that, uh, which was kind of like some of the things that actually was said on that uh, video just then. Uh, we get it from different places. I was looking up online too about, you know, some of the play, one of the things that influences us probably as, as much as anything in our world is TV. And some of the TV families over the years have changed. I look back in the 50s, who was the two most famous parent, uh, families in the 50s that we got ideas from? Leave it to Beaver and Ozzie and Harriet in the 50s, okay? Okay, probably two most famous. In the 60s, it was a group called the Brady Bunch, okay? The Brady Bunch was the number one family show in the, in the 60s. In the 70s, there was a whole bunch, the Partridge family, the Waltons, remember them? You know, um, they were actually, the Waltons Mountain, it was only like uh, 40 miles from where I used to live uh, in Virginia. Uh, all in the family, remember Archie and Edith Bunker? Uh, pretty interesting group of people to learn parenting skills from. Kind of questionable parenting skills. Uh, Happy Days, remember that? Happy Days, it was a, it was a great show. Uh, and then in the 80s, we had, uh, we had The Family Ties, remember that show? Uh, the Cosby Show, the family was called The Huxtables, remember that? That was a fairly functional family. And of course, the most memorable family of that, that era was The Simpsons. And they're still around for some strange reason. I don't know why, but they're still around. People actually still watch that. And then in the 90s, we had shows like Everybody Loves Raymond. Boy, what a functional family that is. Uh, my son loves reruns of that, and I'm going, why? And um, it is funny sometimes. Home Improvement. Remember that? You know, Tim the Toolman Taylor and his uh, wife and kids. Uh, somewhat functional family. Uh, and then probably uh, my favorite of all time, Seventh Heaven, if you ever watched that, you know, about a pastor. It made pastors look like their lives were, you know, just perfect. It's, oh gosh. Oh, that wasn't even close to being real. But anyway, and then in, in, the, in the year, in the, in the 2000s, you know, we have wonderful family. I'm looking at, you know, what kind of family roles do we see on TV? Now we have a thing called reality TV. And, you know, one of the most dysfunctional families of all times, actually two of them probably is on it, but one particularly is the Osbournes. You know, I mean, can you believe they have a show actually that, that shows people, you go around and you video, videotape a dysfunctional family and people watch it on TV, but lots of people watch the Osbournes. Uh, another, uh, you know what, one of the most famous, uh, the most watched show that deals with families is today though, Desperate 
housewives. Okay, you know what it is. I've never seen the show before. But, um, but the issue is, I understand it's pretty dysfunctional. And uh, just watching the ads for it, it's, it's a dysfunctional. So we've seen that kind, of, that kind of idea. We have those kind of ideas. We see these models out in front of us, and it's changed over the years in regard to that. When we began thinking about this series on parenting, I shared with you a few weeks ago that I was in the process of thinking about this. And then not long, I was thinking about some, some tie-ins to a TV show that has nothing to do with parenting that I was watching. Because a few years ago, about four years ago, we got a little dog and um don't know why we got a little dog but we got a little dog and uh, my wife and my son started taking it to obedience classes and then all of a sudden we became we became watchers of a, of a show on national uh, national geographic channel called the dog whisperer anybody ever seen the dog whisperer and the cool thing about the dog whisperer is caesar milan and i actually have a whole video set of, of caesar milan's teachings here uh, so if you want to borrow it later to learn how to master your dog i was looking at some of the things on here he's talking about on one on this is called mastering leadership and he says uh, your role as the leader of your dog. And I'm going, that's a biblical principle about parenting, about leading our kids. Uh, your dog's needs for rules and boundaries. Uh, that's a parenting principle. Uh, how to walk your dog instead of your dog walking you. You know, I thought, <laughs> just think about that a minute and how that in regard to parenting. There's just so many principles there. And, and the thing about it, it's, it's amazing. Cesar Milan has been on like tons and tons of TV shows besides being on National Geographic, have his own website selling really cool videos and all kind of stuff. You know, he's on tons of different shows all the time because people are constantly wanting somebody to tell them how to, how to control their out-of-control dogs. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we had the parent whisperer? You know, somebody who could tell us, like Caesar Milan does with dogs, how to, how, to, how to help our kids to be under control, how to, you know, help our kids to learn the things need to be done. And in a real sense, for ages, we have had a resource that have helped us to do that. It's called God's Word. And so over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at what God's Word has to say about this is the greatest parenting guide ever written, the only one that really works. You know, there's some pieces of different things that work sometimes, but it always goes back to the principles that are found in here. And we're going to look at that. And the reason we're going to look at that because is I don't come to you, even though I have 26 years of parenting, direct hands-on parenting experience. And even though I was a youth pastor for 10 years and worked with hundreds of teenagers, and even, even though I've counseled dozens and dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of families about parenting issues over the years, I want to tell you, I don't come as an expert. I come as somebody who is a fellow struggler in this area because it's an area that so many of us, uh, we know stuff about, but we don't often follow through on it. So I'm just going to be real straightforward with you for the next five weeks. Uh, next week, Chris is going to share, then I'm going to share the other three weeks as well. We're going to talk about some issues that are important to us in regard to these, some of these things that the Bible tells to us about what it means to be, to lead in your family, what it means to be consistent, uh, some of the issues that the Bible talks about, about training our kids, the whole area of discipline, all these things we're going to be be talking about over the next few weeks, looking at what God's word has to say about it. And there's tons and tons of things that it could tell, tell us about this morning. Now, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn over to in the Old Testament to the fourth book of the Old Testament called Deuteronomy. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a great, great passage to begin with. Now, today is just an intro to the series, so don't get all excited about, oh, we're going to learn everything today. Well, no, we're just going to tell you, I'm going to talk about two things today, two basic truths in regard to parenting. And then what we're going to do is we're going to flesh these out over the next several weeks because there's a lot of things here that needs to be talked about in regard to this whole thing of parenting. The first thing in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with the first part of the verses, we're going to look at in a second. The first thing is this, is before we can know, before we can do parenting the way God wants us to do it, and before we can be successful in anything, the first thing we need to know is what is the goal of that thing? What is the goal, the main goal of a parent? What is the main purpose? What are we to do? There's some confusion about that in our world. A lot of times parents, you know, we, we have a child. I mean, this week it was, it was wonderful to go by the hospitals and, you know, see, you know, see some little babies, brand new babies that were born and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, and, and, and the cool thing about it is, you know, the parents are all excited and they're pumped, kind of worn out too, the mother especially. But, uh, but, you know, they're all excited about the whole baby thing. And then, you know, then the real work begins when they get home. You know, a whole lifetime of work begins when you get home. And it never ends. Now it changes. I'm getting ready to learn how to spoil grandkids instead of, you know, being a parent, you know, be a grandparent here in a couple of months, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan. But the issue is, is that, you know, you still never, you still never stop parenting even when they live, leave home because you hope to have a relationship with your kids. And you want to do some things in your life to, that enable that to happen. So this, this morning we're going to talk about, first of all, what is the main goal of a parent? In Deuteronomy, it tells this basically, it says the main goal of parenting is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from the parent until it rests totally upon God. To gradually transfer a child's dependence away from the parent until it totally rests upon God. So often we used to define it, well, you know, we understand that when, you know, when little, that, I went to the hospital and those, those little babies are there. They're totally dependent upon the parent, 100%, for everything. And as they get a little bit older and they learn to say, no, you know, they start exerting their independence. And so they begin this process of self-awareness and this whole process of growth. And during the years, and they, 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 they get better and better at saying no and wanting to do their own things. But the issue is, is that where are they going from becoming totally dependent upon us to just dependent upon themselves. That's not the goal. The goal is not for them to be, as Christian parents, not to have your children to be just self-dependent. It's to be dependent upon God, to direct them toward God. And so that's going to be the overarching thing that we're going to talk about over the next several weeks is this whole purpose of a parent. The goal of a parenting is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from the parent until it rests totally upon God. In Deuteronomy 6, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says these things. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws of uh, the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you were crossing the Jordan to possess, so that your children and their children... So that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord, your God, as long as, as you live. It says the goal, the goal here, the commands, that the reason that we're living this life is that you, your children and their children, generationally, what will happen is that we'll learn to fear the Lord. The word fear of the Lord is means to honor, to reverence, to place him in the highest position of authority in our life. 
And then right after that, right after that passage, not in your outline, but it's in Scripture there, in verses 4 and 5, it says this. It says, the Lord, it says, after we says that, it says, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. Let me ask you a question. This is not hard. This is not hard. How much are we to love God? With? Okay, let's try again. Wake up. I know it was prom night last night in a couple places around here. I was at a, a restaurant and all these kids came in with really cool clothes. And I'm going, they're a little overdressed for eating red lobster. But, um, okay. How much are we to love God with all of our heart? Okay. Not just some of our heart. Just with, with all of our heart. That's what it says. The goal of our lives, the goal of a parent's lives is to help our kids to love God with all of their heart, not just some of their heart. Let me tell you this. Let me just be serious with you for a moment. One of the most dangerous things that you and I can do as parent, as a parent, is to teach our kids to love God with just a little bit of their heart. It's one of the most dangerous things we can do. You know, recently there's this uh, thing called uh, that everybody's been freaking out over called swine flu kind of proved to be not as big a deal as they thought it was going to be, you know, which is kind of what most of us probably thought. But anyway, that's the deal. You know, it's, it's, it's encouraging to be, you know, careful, but it's not proven. But, you know, one of the things about the flu, flu, flu thing, I can't talk, uh, every season there's, you get something, some, some of you do, I don't get it, but something called a flu shot. Everybody had a flu shot before? I can't, I've never had one. I've only had flu once. Okay. So I don't know what that says, but, uh, but anyway, but you know, when you get a flu shot, when you get a flu shot, what do they do when you get, when you go in and get the shot, what do they give you? They give you just a little bit of the flu. And the reason they give you a little bit of the flu is why? Because it inoculates you against the real thing. One of the same things that'll happen in our parenting is this, is if we just give our kids a little bit of God. We may, they may think that's all there is. And they may be inoculated against the real thing. And that is why scripture here says that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. God is to be central in our lives and to be central in our kids' lives. That is the goal of parenting, to move, uh, to transfer this whole idea of being, them being dependent upon us away from us so they can become fully dependent upon God. And when we understand that as the goal of parenting, it, it shapes or should shape everything we do as a parent, should it not? Because if that truly is a goal, then parenting is not something we can mess around with, just kind of haphazardly do. It needs, to be, uh, it needs to be something that we do very carefully. And so the thing that we need to understand is, is that we have in this world today so often that we have a problem. We have a problem. The problem is this. We have distractions. We have distractions of all kinds, and we have people telling us from all different quarters, this is the way you, this is what you can do if you really love your kids. If you really love your kids, you'll have them involved in everything. So that they can pick out, you know, and choose themselves. Let me explain to you something, folks. That's insanity. It's just insanity to think your kids have to be involved in everything so that they can pick and choose. You need to help them learn. They're not mature enough to do that themselves. 
And so they'll pretty much do anything you, you do. And so the thing, if, if, if loving God is primarily the thing that we're to do, the thing we need to understand is, is that we need to focus our attention upon that in their lives as well. What, we, what has happened in our world in the last few years, and it's happened in the last 20 years in particularly, is we've moved away, even in Christian circles, away from what I would call God-centered parents, parents who's focused upon this whole thing of raising our kids in a way that would honor God and be dependent upon them. We've moved away from God-centered parents to child-centered parents. Parents that focus all their attention, all their energy upon their kids. Now, stay with me for the next four weeks. Don't think I'm anti-kid. I have two lovely kids. They're great kids. And I spent a lot of time and effort in raising them, not in a perfect way, in an imperfect way. But the thing is, is that we're not to be as Christians, child-centered parents. We're to be God-centered parents first. And we're going to talk about what that means as we go through this whole series and the thing that's so often discouraging to me is that so often we become so people, you know, say, well, I love God and I want my kids to grow up and love God. But we have them doing so many things they don't have time to even focus upon God. People all the time say, you know, they come to Great Oaks, you know, I'll see them after a while and say, hey, missed you for a while. Where you been? You going to some other church? That's fine. As long as you go to some other church, as long as you're not just staying home. Well, we've been so busy. We've been doing this and this and this, and, and they'll name a whole laundry list of things they're doing, and they're so focused upon that they can't uh, be involved in church. Now, when I say involved, let me, let me explain what that means. It doesn't mean showing up on Sunday mornings and just kind of sitting here going home and doing nothing else. No, involvement in the life of a church is where you are intimately involved in building community amongst other believers. You're serving God. You're intimately involved in the whole process. It's not just kind of peripherally. That's what I'll talk about when I talk about involvement in church. And how important is our involvement in church with our kids? And, and, and what does it say to them? Well, there's a study that came out a few years ago. It's not very long ago. A study about parental involvement in church. And kids who became active Christ followers as adults, these are some statistics that talk about the parents' involvement in, in, involvement in the way I was talking about in church. If mom and dad both went to church, 72% of the kids will as adults. If both mom and dad. If just mom only went to church, I know this is Mother's Day, but I have to say this, only 15% of the kids will, will, will as adults go to church. Now, dads, let me explain something to you. This is not Father's Day, but, but sometimes we underscore, we downplay the importance, the spiritual, the spiritual importance of dads being spiritually involved in kids' lives. If dads only were involved and went to church, 55% of kids as adults will go to church. And if neither mom nor dad went, only 6% of kids will, as adults, most likely be involved in a relationship with God through a local church. What does that have to say to us about the importance? If our goal is, is to help our children to move from being dependent upon us to be dependent upon God, how important is the role of involvement in a local church in a real way? It's hugely important if that's our goal. You know, uh, going back to what I started off with about the involvement of TV, um, if, you're, if you, we were to take some video cameras and come into your home and do what they did with the Osbournes, wouldn't you love that? I wouldn't. You know, I mean, videotape everything you do. And we put it on a reality show. You know, whatever the reality show has your last name on it. If you were to videotape it, you at home for a while, what it, would it say to the people that watched it about your heart for God? 
What would the activities you do, what you do, what you watch, what you spend your time on, what you spend your resources on, what would it say about your heart for God? Because Scripture says we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, not just part of it. It's to be the central thing in what we do. So that's the first question this morning I want to talk about. The whole thing is, what is the main goal of a parent? Number two, we're going to run through this pretty quickly, is this, is what is the main role of a parent? The main goal of a parent is to help our children go from dependence upon us to dependence upon God. The main role of a parent, what a parent does and how they carry this out, is in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. It says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, impress them upon your children, talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What is it saying? Man, it's saying that we need to be involved. We need to go through the process. The main, the main, the main goal of a parent is, is to lead our children. I love what, uh, love what uh, the Duke of Windsor, Edward the Duke of Windsor, said about American, American families. He said this. The thing that impresses me most about America, now listen carefully, is the way that parents obey their children. This is an outsider. (laughs) I don't know if he made, if he slipped, messed up when he talked or, you know, or if he, he was serious. I think he was serious. And the reality is, is the main role of a parent, if you're to be uh, a parent the way God wants you to be a parent, your main role is to lead is to lead your children. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that for the next several weeks, what that means. But I want to share with you just a couple of things today. First of all, it means this, that we need to lead, as it said in Deuteronomy 6 there, the verses we just read, we need to lead intentionally. We need to know where we're going. We need to, to intentionally lead our kids to where we want them to be. We can't just do this haphazardly. Let me give you some examples. Now, once again... These are just examples of what my wife and I have done over the last 26 years to try to lead, lead our kids. And these are just some examples that work. Some of them didn't work as well as others. Uh, but I, I want to tell you that, we, that we're intentional. We're kind of countercultural in regard to some things in regard to our kids. I don't think that's necessarily bad because a lot of stuff I see in culture doesn't work too well. And so this is one of some of the things we've done over the year. In regard to education with our kids, we believe that our kids need to learn some basic skills in life. And one of them is a skill to read. My wife was a reading specialist in schools for years. One of the things that we did with our kids when they were really young, my wife did most of this early on, was read with our kids every day. We had them to love books, love reading. And, you know, and, and they probably got tired of it after a while, but they, they read, they read, they read. We did that on a regular basis. We spent time with them. It wasn't always in front of the TV. We limited their TV time. They can only watch so much TV. I know we're, we're mean parents, but that's just the way it was. But uh, we did that. So that was one thing. Spiritual, we have family devotionals as our kids were growing up. I can remember some crazy times where we, when our kids were young, that they would, we'd ask them to act out our kids like, if you know our kids, our whole family's kind of like actors. And um, our kids would act out Bible stories. I can still remember Kara, uh, Kara and Keith. Uh, Keith's five years younger than Kara. And we, they would act out the story of David and Goliath. And, and we'd come in and say, what story are we going to talk about tonight? Keith go, oh, let's go, let's go, David and Goliath. You know? And so guess who Keith got to be? He's a little, he was a little one then, you know? He always got to be David. He got to sl- sl- slay his sister. You know, every time. 
Always the, the same story. And we went through the thing, but we talked about the truths of that. That was important in our life on a regular basis, not necessarily every day, but, but most every day as they grew up uh, in our household. It was important to do that, encourage them to, uh, as we reading God's Word. I, I caught my son the other night doing something. You're going to think it's bad, but it's not. Um, you like to catch your kids doing good stuff, Right? My 20-year-old, he's dating a girl uh, very seriously uh, from uh, Indiana, and they're on the phone. You know how kids get on the phone, they're dating, and they breathe a lot. They don't really talk. They just, you know, and uh, you know what it's like, those of you who have teenagers, or you've been one there yourself, and you've breathed a lot on the phone, too, and you never really said anything, but, you know, just talk. But they were on the phone, and uh, Keith had his Bible lift, opened up, and he was on the phone talking to his girlfriend in Indiana. And uh, I go, what are you doing? He said, uh, we're going through the Bible, reading through the Bible together on the phone. And I'm going, wow, I never did that with my wife. <laughs> you know, something stuck somewhere along the way. God's word was important to him. And I'm so glad that it was important to him enough that they were spending time on the phone uh, reading God's word together. That was really cool. Activities. Let me tell you something about activities in our household. Church was always first. And then they got to choose one other thing they could do. That was it. They didn't, they didn't go like 40 different directions. They get to choose. Like we're going like, okay, you can do this, or this, or this. You choose one. And they would choose. And they could do that. And then when they finished that activity, they could choose something. I mean, like, you know, for this next 10 weeks, they can do this. Or this six months, they can do this. And that's all they're going to do. Our kids, and the rest of the time, we told them, go play in the street. No, we didn't do that. We, uh... <laughs> We wanted to be involved. Like I say, we limited TV. We, we helped them to read. We, we did some stuff with them. But we wanted them to be active and involved in life and not just kind of sitting around doing stuff. We, we wanted to be focused but not, not overwhelmed. And that was another thing we did growing up with our kid. Relationally, one of the things we constantly did with our kids is this, is that we, we before them, they saw us from the day one, even when our kids were little, little babies. My, they saw my wife and I having every week a date night. We'd go away, we'd go, go, go out for a night, and we would, we would stay, we'd stay out. And they, they knew that the relationship with mom was important with dad and vice versa. That they weren't the only thing in this world. We even did just terrible, we, you know, even when they were little kids, I mean, babies, we would spend a whole weekend twice a year away with no kids. Because we realized that our relationship, my relationship with my wife and having a good relationship was, was, was honoring of God, number one. But secondly, what it was doing was teaching my kids about how to have, have a good relationship with somebody else that was important. In regard to relationship and special time with my kids, one of the things I did grow, uh, we, as my kids grew up, my daughter, who's a little bit older, uh, she, I would have date nights with her. As she was, got, got into her teen years, I would actually take her out on dates. You know why I did that? To spend time with her, but also to teach her the way a, a guy should treat and respect a girl. And we do that kind of stuff. Sometimes we go to breakfast. Sometimes we would go. Uh, I, I remember the, one of the coolest things was when she was first year of college. She was, came back, and she, was, uh, she was, uh, graduated uh, fairly early from high school. I think she was only 17. And, and she came back home, and I bought tickets. I knew she loved country music for some strange reason. And um, she wanted to go to this concert, so we went to a Martina McBride concert. That was the coolest thing. And my, you know, I still, I talk about it all the time. I thought it was cool because we had a great time. But doing things that are special, building special moments into our life, it was something that we did, I did, my wife did on a regular basis. With my son, with my son, I would regularly take him to breakfast every week. 
I would take him to breakfast before, before school, and we would sit, you know, we go to the, uh, you know, one of the great places, donut shop there in town right next to the, high, the middle school. And uh, we'd go there and eat a couple of, you know, greasy donuts and, and sit there and have a great time talking. It was something we spent time doing, building those relationships into our life. Money management, one of the things that we do, one of the things we did in regard to money management, we started letting our kids manage their own money when they were in the second grade. Now, don't take this wrong. They didn't manage all their money in the second grade. But, you know, our kids, by the time they were 10 years old, their friends kind of freaked out when they thought they heard, you know, my son went and said, hey, I get $110 a month allowance. And they thought it was allowance. They thought it was free. No, 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 no. We figured out the money that they needed to live life on, like what they, school lunches, gifts for friends' birthday parties, giving to the church, all those different things. We learned this from a guy named Ron Blue, Christian financial money manager. And they began to have envelopes there, and they had to manage their money. So guess when they went, went to the store, and they said, we want, we want, we want. There was a gift envelope there, or, a, you know, spend envelope. Do you have the money? Oh, we forgot our envelope. Too bad. Too sad. Never an argument. We never did that. So let me, let me say, those, those are important things as well. And, and, and it's counterculture. You know, just, we, so, you know, so often we hear this thing as they grew older too. Well, you know, not every, everybody's doing this. I said, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean we're going to do it. Just because your friends get to stay up to 1 o'clock in the morning doesn't mean you get to come home at 1 o'clock in the morning. Doesn't work that way. We're countercultural. And the big battle that came on when they came in the ten years, uh, teen years is this, and I'm going to close up just a couple of seconds here with something. And I thought it was the, 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 the biggest battle we gave is when our t- kids wanted to say, hey, can I go to this movie? And we checked it out. And it was rated R. And we had a rule, no, no way, Jose. And I wish I'd have learned, and I have to tell you a quick story, because I wish I'd have had this story when, and I thought about this, you know, you know I always wish you had something years ago, and... Let me tell you the story so you can use it down the road. Um, this, this parent I heard about did this. Um, their child came to him. Their 15-year-old came to him and said, I want to go to this movie. It's an R-rated movie. And, the, you know, the parent, the kid goes, well, it's just a little bad. It's just a little bad. It's mostly good. It's just a little bad. And the mom said to the son, she said, okay, son, okay, tell you what. Okay, if you will help me prepare some brownies, I will, before you go to the movie, I'll let you go to the movie. He's going, boy, that was easy. So she says, what I need for you to do to help prepare the brownies is this. What I want you to do is go out in the yard where a dog is. And I want you to pick up a little piece of doggy poop. This is a gross illustration right before lunch. But, it, but, it's, but it's helpful. It's helpful, okay? And I want you to bring it in. The kid's going, what? So he brought, he, he brought this little tiny piece of doggy poop. Okay. We can talk about that in church because it's real. And... And she took it and she took just a little tiny, and he watched, took just a little tiny bit of the doggy poop and cut it off and put it in the brownie mix. Stirred it up. She says, son, here, don't you want to lick the spoon? He's going, no, that is gross. She's going, well, it's just a little bit. He got the point and didn't go to the R-rated movie. And thought about that every time that he started asking that question. 
You know, the thing is, folks, is that when it comes in, you know, we've we got to deal with this in creative ways, and we've got to help each other along the way. We lead our kids by training them. We're going to talk about this over the next several weeks. In Proverbs 22, 6, it says this. It says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Now, that's not necessarily a guarantee, but it's a promise that God is going to, if, if we train our child, if we intentionally go in a direction, what will happen is, is that they will become more likely what we train them to be and what we train them to do. If we have no plan, guess what? Who knows what you're going to get as a parent? If you want to read a lot of really good stuff in Scripture about training, read Proverbs. You know, the last series, uh, uh, Dave Ramsey talked about, you know, it's a great book about, Proverbs is a great book about money management. It's the best book in the world, Proverbs is, about parenting. There's tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff in there, principles on parenting in the book of Proverbs we'll be looking at in the next few weeks. Now this morning, let me, let me close with this. Let me just ask you a question. As we talked about these two principles, these two questions this morning, the question of what is the goal of a parent? Do you have a clear understanding of what your goal is as a parent? And what is the role of a parent? Do you clearly understand that your role of a parent is to lead your kids and to lead them intentionally in a direction towards God? And the big question is this, are you a God-centered parent or are you a child-centered parent? Does everything in your life revolve around this whole thing of just my kids, my kids, my kids? Your kids are important, but your relationship with God is number one. Your relationship with your spouse is number two, and your kids are number three, according to God's principles and God's plans. And if you'll do those all with your whole heart, then it'll work out. But unless you, if you get them confused... You'll raise some confused kids as well. And we might need to call somebody, you know, the dog whisperer or the parent whisperer or somebody to get things fixed. And usually you go to a counselor for that. And the problem is, is that, you know, God, God gives you some principles in your word. He gives you some, gives some great principles in his word. And, and as Dave Ramsey, I loved what he said a couple of weeks ago about m- money. You know, it's 20% knowledge and 80% willpower. I believe the same thing is true of parenting. I think most of us understand that we need to be consistent We need to be leaders, and we know what we need to do. We just need to do it. So hopefully over the next several weeks, what we'll do simply do is remind you of these things that parenting is all about so that you can willfully do these things in your life and allow God to work in you to raise kids that are godly, God-fearing kids. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakcc.org.